Hey, Skyfarers, and welcome to AFACAST, the Coward on Overlords podcast. I'm Lee, the Arkham Admiral, uh, joined here by the Lord Magnate himself, Alexander Cron. Hey, guys, it's us two again. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're still missing Hayden because he's off doing his military stuff rather than playing it, military stuff. <laughs> um, he's off. With his uh, fire slayers still, yeah, and um, um, we're missing Dan because Dan has too much of a real life. As I don't think Dan on any of our episodes yet has he? No, no. Uh, it's just at the times and having uh, young kids. Um, he's also moving now as well, so he's yeah. It just doesn't work out, unfortunately. But some once he's moved, maybe we'll be able to. Get him involved. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so what have you been up to, Alex? You went to a tournament, didn't you? Yeah. So I've, I went to a little tournament in Melbourne. Um, that had about 50, 60 people. Uh, that was, well, how did you do? Uh, first of all? Lords of War, that was it. Lords of War. Yeah. Um, I believe I came third. I won three out of five games. Okay, we're 13 for Steve Bridget. But I met some guys there. Uh, some other KO players. There was a good KO yeah. representation there. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, was that the tournament? Because this is a while back now, wasn't it? Was that the one it where was... some people recognised you from this podcast? Yeah, some people apparently actually watched, listened to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you remember who those people were? Do you want to say hello to them? Uh, oh, I've set you up for a fall now, haven't I? Just a bit. <laughs> Sorry. We got, hats. we got hats and everything. Well, we had a great time. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, and that was, but that was GHB 2018 rules, wasn't it? Yes, that was. It, it was on the week, very weekend that GHB 19 came out. So, uh, we, yeah, we were still using the GHB 18, but we were, we were looking at 19 as it was happening, basically. Okay. Yeah, so you're kind of like playing the games and also trying to half read the new GHB. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so... Who, 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 what armies did you win against? What did you lose against? So I played against. Um, let me think. There were there were Chaos Dwarves. There was Zench. There were. Um, there was there was a Fire Slayers. I, I I played pretty much every kind of dwarf. Okay, well, that's cool. We even had there was a dispossessed player there. There was every dwarf was at that tournament. It was great. Brilliant. Well, it's better than playing, you know, rubbish elves or monsters or things. These <laughs> elves. Yeah, everyone's elves. Okay, so um, lost that yeah. play against, and uh, so I lost against the Chaos Dwarves and the Zench, and I won against mm-hmm. the Fire Slayers. Oh, there was a there was a Legion of Night guy who ran three uh, zombie dragons. Uh, against my Zilfin Skyhawk list, so you know that went that went pretty well. 
Was was one of them a ferial? Yeah, he was. Yeah. So was your list your sort of standard list that you were running in the in the old GP? Yep. Um so that was like the last hurrah of the evocators before they got um pointed out of um allies, basically. Yeah. Uh, who was the fourth? Who was the fifth guy? I'll remember it later. <laughs> okay. Come back. Um, um. Yeah. The, the the games I lost it was because I was too aggressive, especially against Zinch. Yeah. Um, he was able to basically mortal wound all forty of the Arcanaut blob off turn one. Uh, Which is devastating. Is that with a Gaunt Summoner? Uh, with a Gaunt Summoner, and then with a Lord of Change, and then just pink horrors and pink horrors and blue scribes and everybody. They, yeah. they were in range of everybody. Just all their spells and everything and all their sheep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, squad got more wounded off the table before I could do anything. The change yeah. host. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I think did the uh, got some uh, point reductions as well, didn't they, in the GHB? Uh yeah, I think so. So to be honest, Zinch isn't in a great place. Yeah. So we might end up seeing them more, and therefore you might end up seeing things like the Gorn Stamina more. Yeah. It's not good for a big club of Arcanot Company. No, but I don't mind playing against Zinch. Just we have so much that hurts them. Yeah. There's so many units, so much magic that we just we don't do magic, so uh, they don't get any summoning points out of that. Yeah, and we we can normally pick off their wizards. To be fair, yeah, um, it's all about the characters with them. Yeah, and we're good at killing characters. Oh yeah. Um, Sorry, I just dropped an Andrew <laughs> What are you doing? Um, I'm just doing a painting because I've got a tournament coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, and they basically adopted all of the Luke. That was his name, Luke. Stop. Uh, okay. The other character on Overlord's guy. Yeah. Okay. Cool. He. Yeah. He's in the the Facebook group. Yeah, he is. Oh well, that's cool. We've got to meet him. Cool to meet some uh, other cameras. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, there were there were there were four of us at that tournament, which I was very happy about. Yeah, that's cool. So, well, it's a popular army. Is um, support. Like, you consider how popular it is when we can, after all of these nerves that we've had. You know that's that shows something. I mean, if if we prove to be good in the upcoming meta, I think a lot of people will end up adopting them. Yeah, although it's not. It's looking like we're not getting a book anytime soon. I think I've seen the next few releases are like 
Sylvaneth and um, Seraphon and yeah. Ogres. I think Ogres. Yeah. Well, Oric, Oric Warclans. Oh, yeah, Oryx and Free Cities. Yeah. Well, we're going to be and in the Free Cities. So. Just because of Free Cities. Cowdown Overlords will still be a faction with doing fine. Yes. <laughs> yes, we're not being squatted. Even okay. though we look a lot like squats, to be fair. Yeah. Well, you've segued very nicely onto the news there. Well done. Um, so, yeah, what do you think of Free City? Um, well, I've got a friend who absolutely loves it because that's that's been his army this whole time, just Free Cities. It, it opens up some nice... Some nice um, things for uh, options for people who've been playing, who've been trying to use order armies in whatever wacky combinations they can try. I've always wanted to make do like a Iron World Arsenal thing. Yeah. Well, I've I've always sort of flirted with the idea of doing a Tempest Eye list. Yeah. Um, and I've always sort of had on the back burner this idea for a, a Luminar. Conversion or a celestial hurricane conversion. Oh yeah. Um, so I might Big finally have to do that. That gives you the plus one to hit on yeah. all your boats and all your Arcanauts. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is you can since the GHP, you can take both the hurricane and the Luminar without the wizard on top. Yeah, you can. There's a cheaper version, really. Quite cool. Yeah. But, um, but although I don't think I'd use them in a tournament, but that's just because I'm a KO purist, and as if my allegiance doesn't say KO, I don't feel like I'm playing KO. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I, I'm intrigued. If I can, as long as I can put models on the table that are like majority KO. Yeah, um, the ones that aren't KO are converted and look KO thing and are all cohesive looking, and I'll be I'll be happy. Yeah, that's fair. Um. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm quite intrigued to see what we get from uh cities. But yeah, uh, to address all the concerns people are having, yeah, KO has its own allegiance ability, it's going anywhere. Um, yep. I don't know what people think it would be. Um, I don't think there will even be any KO war scrolls in the book. I think it would just be uh, the only war scrolls would be all the old ones. It's going to be all yeah. the war scrolls don't have any. Oh. They're like just on the website at the moment. Yeah. Like the Free Guild and the Iron World and the Phoenix Guard and what have you. Yeah. And then I think on the Allegiance abilities for the cities, it would just say like, like stuff like Stormcast and Silver and F and us. It will just say like, oh, this, this city can also include models with the Stormcast or KO keyword. Won't it? Yeah, that's my prediction. Um, you heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'll probably be wrong. 
I, well, I had I had been making a prediction about how the release was going to work, and I found out today that I was completely wrong because I oh, well, got uh, Oryx and Ogres completely mixed up. <laughs> oh yeah, they look the same. I mean, they've they've uh, been, they've been they don't like, look the same. Ogres around, haven't they? Like in um, um uh the the rumor engine and like I think in one of the open days they put up like a silhouette of an ogre so I think they're coming out real soon. Yeah. Well there was a new there's a new ogre hero. That yeah, went to the open that... day. Which was last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. For the first time that I've been to Warhammer World. And um, I hopefully the first of many. Yeah, it's so impressive. Um, it was, yeah, uh, it was cool. I didn't have tickets to the seminars where you know where they do all the Q and A. Oh. I think if I went again, I might do. Um, but it, yeah, you could talk to our Lord and Savior Duncan, couldn't you? I don't know. I didn't see him. I. Like, there were people obviously I did recognise. I I saw uh, Ben Johnson walking around and uh, oh, what's his name? Oh, now I'm going blank on names. The head rules right guy. Uh, Jervis Johnson. Yeah, that's it, Jervis. Uh, uh, but yeah, so it's cool. Saw so the um. Exhibition centre bit, uh, you know where they got all the they got really cool carriage plays. Um, yeah, I got some ideas. I, I just I got ideas from the forty k stuff as well. Really? Because a lot of flying stuff. Yeah, um, and they done. Um, you know those big forty k like chaos dragony things. Uh, the hell drakes, yeah. Um, they had some of them where instead of a flight staff in the um, like on a like a display, they it was like shooting fire out of his mouth, and then yep. that was exploding where it hit the ground and stuff, and that was its flight stand. Okay, and then the actual also, yeah, the actual fire was the flight stand, essentially. And there was also they'd done some. Similar things, but they hadn't used them as flight stands for the KO, where they were like shooting um, uh, sky hooks and uh, they were, like half coming out the guns. So I was wondering if there's possibilities there for a flight stand for a ship. Maybe. I mean, it's all it's all basically just metal rods. There's like discreetly yeah. placed metal rods. Yeah, and there was uh, also. Now. There was a frigate, which I think the actual idea of the model was actually was a giant. But I don't know if it, the giant was basically there was a model where it was a giant holding a frigate. Okay. I don't know whether it was meant to be a giant that just happened to be holding a frigate, or whether the giant was meant to be a flight stand for the frigate. But it's pretty cool. Hmm. You know, they had a ko um display board. Well, they've got a big KO and... I don't know what they're fighting against. I was only looking at the KO stuff. They've got a big KO display. 
Um, and then there's like, there's just lots of glass cases that aren't proper displays, but with loads of models in, like basically every model they, they do. Oh, yeah, all, all the heavy metal stuff. Yeah, all beautifully painted and stuff. And there's conversions and stuff as well. So there's just lots of cool stuff to take inspiration from. Yeah. So that was really cool. But obviously, the main news from it was Warcry and Cities of Sigma and the new Oryx book. Yeah. Warcry looks interesting. It's like AOS Kill Team. Yeah. I, I, I didn't actually get a chance to play it. They had it on display and you could play it, but you had to kind of stand next to a table for ages and wait until it was your turn, basically. All right. But I did manage to paint an iron column. That was fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. There's some version op options there, isn't there? Uh, yeah, possibly. If you want to do some, like chaos more orders or something. Yeah, or, well, like heavily armored KO, like an, an, an alternate Admiral sculpt, almost, I think. Yeah, or maybe like Thunderers, possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, I mean, they're, they're nice, nice looking models. And I got to try some contrast paints with them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Contrast came out too. Um, <laughs> Have you tried it? Yeah. Not great for us, I think. No. It's, it's very good on flesh tones. So, demons, demons love it. Yeah. Uh, Lords of Cain, they love it. Carriage on Overlords is all the metal. Hey. Oh, nah. Uh, it's. I, yeah, it's not ideal for us. I don't think it really works for my personal painting style either because I generally tend to make a lot of mistakes and then have to go back with another colour and fix the mistakes. Oh, and yeah. You can't do that so well with contrast. Yeah. So if you, if you put it, beginner's paint, it's, it's complicated. Yeah. I mean, you can use it as a beginner's paint if you just want to do a model put one colour and then or a couple of colours and you know, like you were saying, something that's mostly flesh. Yeah. I would like demons <laughs> and corn uh, guys even, I guess. Yeah. Just one coat and you're done. Yeah. And then pick out some details. You know, yeah. the weapons or whatever. Uh, one thing I think it could be useful for, for care is to uh, if if you're starting a, a new player, I mean, you want to do like coloured metallics. Yeah, because you can do like oh, yeah, lead belter or or retributor armor or something, and then put a, a colour contrast over the top. Yeah, which makes a metallic. You can make metallic red or metallic blue, and yeah, I see cool. or Horus Heresy stuff like Thousand Sun, Thousand Suns colours. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I might, if I do do some mercenaries or allies, then I might do that and use the Iron Golem models. Because uh, most of my army is pretty much the standard paint scheme for Barak Nar. 
Except yeah. for I tweaked it a bit by adding adding some green and stuff. So I yeah. tried out on the old iron golem I got. I tried doing like a green metallic, but no. maybe you could do like a, a like a burgundy pink metallic to match match the you know the burgundy fatigues and the chaos and stuff. Yeah. We'll see because I'm not really I'm not really going down that route in my army at the moment. Know of having mercenaries or anything. Yeah, I don't know if many tournaments are allowing mercenaries, which I'm kind of happy about, but I'm also kind of ups- uh, kind of sad that I can't use my loyal twenty-one um, ghoul. Because <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, that's the fluffy option. It depends, because I mean. That was the other thing that came out of the GHB was basically they suggested tournament rules. Yeah. And I, I, I have I said, some issues with those tournament rules. Uh, <laughs> look, if if I roll a bad dice, I'm gonna uh, people are gonna hear about that. <laughs> I, I, I want I, I want I want the right to complain about my dice rolls <laughs> and, and my opponent's dice rolls. Yeah, like if you're playing against fleshy courts and he's got a um, a royal terror guy thing, and he rolls three sixes when he does his fang more attacks and does eighteen mortal runes, I think you yeah, have a right yeah. to be a bit unhappy. I want the right to be able to complain. Dang it! <laughs> um, no, no, they're, they're, all, they're mostly sensible. They're good. They're. Yeah. Along the same vein of that of those the Yu-Gi-Oh tournament rules that came out a little while ago, where it was like all players must wear deodorant to tournaments, <laughs> or you will get kicked out. Yeah, probably makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of does. Yeah, the, the tournament I'm going to in a couple of weeks has pretty much adopted them fully. Except for the fact that they have announced the battle plans already. Okay, so you know what you're, what the army, uh, you know the missions you're doing. Yeah, so there's it's only one day. There's only three. Um, ah. But yeah, but the the key thing for me is obviously there's all the, the points for painting, um, including the things like highlighting, which is a bit. That way, I find it a bit weird because I generally go for quite a subtle highlight on my models. Yeah. Rather than like just slapping on a really like bright colour along the edge, and so you know, like it's some some things that look really good from far away don't look so good up close. No, no. Um, so I always just try to do my models so they look nice up close. Which obviously then normally makes the highlights not quite subtle, and then obviously your opponent has got to judge your models now to say whether you've highlighted them sufficiently. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of points available. I worked out, and just from painting scores and sportsmanship scores, you can get more points than you would get from getting a major win. Okay. If you so, if you have sportsmanship and perfect painting, yeah, you get more points than it's like getting more than a than it's like so. Even 
a three-day tournament. So if you get points for each game you play, okay. Um, huh. It's not just over the course of the day. So each round, you could either get or not get those potent points. So it's um, more of a hobby tournament than a gaming tournament. It's still a gaming tournament, but because they're just using the points suggested by Games Workshop, aren't they? But it's interesting because it's, it's the same store in the past hasn't even had a painting requirement. So you could literally turn up the tournament with unpainted models. Yeah. Are you going to a Games Workshop store tournament? No, it's just it's a independent store. Okay. But um, because the Games Workshop store tournaments I go to, they don't have any paying requirements. The big independent ones though have like in in the players packets. If your models are grey and look like this, uh, then they're going to get removed off of the yeah. table if anyone sees that. Yeah, well, I think it's a uh, it's a good thing, and it, needs... it motivates people to just it don't, they don't need to be look they don't need to look good they just need to have paint on them. Yeah, and I think the the danger is is where they say things like has the model had shade applied and has it been highlighted and things and different people will look at that and have different sort of definitions and say. Oh, you've only highlighted one of the colours, not every single colour you've used, or things like that. And yeah, you know, like and they've just got these contrast paints, and it doesn't fit with that. Oh like, yeah, contrast paint, does that count as having a shade? Yeah, it'll look like you've highlighted, but you won't have. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. Yeah, I'm just I'm just prepping for this tournament. I'm not running really the most optimal list because obviously with points reductions, yeah, um, it's yeah points reductions basically mean we can fit more on a list now. Oh yeah. <laughs> so where I had two thousand points and I was happy with it before, and I was like, yeah, I'd go to the corner and play that. Now I'm a bit like, oh, I put more stuff in, but now I've got to go and paint stuff, or I can swap that unit of engine riggers for Sky Wardens and stuff a bit more of them. In fact, I haven't got the Sky Wardens, but so then I have to build and paint them and I just haven't got the time. Yeah. So I'm going with what should be a relatively competitive list, but it's not what I want my, like, say, if our points level stay at this sort of rate next year as well. It's not really what I want to be long term. Yep. Because I'm, I'm going to run an ironclad, uh, but I think maybe I might move to like a double frigate list. With a yeah, people with the Iron Sky Squadron list. Yeah, I quite like the idea of playing them. I just bought a second frigate off a of mate, so um, that's why I probably want to move in the long run. But for this tournament, I'm going to. I just want to play my ironclad. Because yeah. Uh, in previous, like last year, I was running my frigate, and I've the ironclad have actually owned longer, but it's actually not been properly painted. Oh wow! Um, like it got to a point of tournament, but like I said, it's that like that store never used to have a proper painting requirement. Um, it wasn't done to the standard I would have liked, basically. 
it let down the, the rest of my army, do you know what I mean? And that's why I moved to playing the trivet, partly because it was less points and I wasn't going to be playing as many chips. Or, yeah. you know, I wasn't wasting as many points. Um, um, but, but I just give, I want, I just get it finished. Pardon? Give that ironclad an ordinator. <laughs> well, I have one, and I haven't painted it, I could do. But I, yeah, um, but I'm, I'm going to run Zilfin. Yeah. Oh, you're going to strike it? You're going to yeah, bring gonna it down? Uh, with a slight twist, I'm going to have a unit 20 Arknaut. Okay. So I have the option, if I want Volume. to go high, if I can afford to go high drops, that I can deep strike the 20 Arknauts. Yeah. And, uh... Pardon? I'd almost give those dropping Arknauts six volley guns. Do you reckon? Yeah. Well, I'm a chemist. But... Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. If, it, if you've got a, if you're spending on a chemist as well, then just go Skyhawks. Because they're going to drop alongside a unit of Skywarden um, and, and a unit of Riggers. And basically, it, it depends on the battle plan and who I'm playing against. Because I don't know. One I... Of the um, if you don't want to, if you don't want to use that chemist on the uh, on this um, Arconauts, I'd go with volley guns, especially because they'll all be in range. Mm-hmm. Um, and volley guns are pretty. Volley guns are all right. Yeah, they're pretty good. But the, the part that the part of the thinking is, is I've got choices with how I deploy. Yeah. So I don't have them in the ship. One of the battle plans is to use Scorched Earth. Oh, yeah. So you're going to need some defensive. Yeah, so I think if, if, that, if I can in that battle plan, I'll spread those 20 across the back to um, objectives with a chemist. Yep. And then I'll have my other two Arkham companies on the front two. And basically anything that moves forward on to try and take my Because it's such a long distance on that objective, on that battle plan. Because they so changed right at the back. Mm. Scorched Earth. Yeah. There's a there's uh, a long distance between like the back couple of objectives. Yeah, there's a long way. Um, which we're, yeah, we're almost segueing into what we were going to talk about, which is the battle plan. But before we do, I want to just—it's not news, but like you already sort of, you know. Like set set the record straight regarding like about the KO is not going anywhere. Yeah, I want I want to set the record straight with something else, which is the way everyone a lot of people recently been talking about skyhooks. Um, oh, so a lot of people talking about it as if it's a done fact that three skyhooks in the unit ten is going away, and so and some people even talking about it as if it's going to happen in season six, which is not. <laughs> right, there's no reason to think it's going to happen in Cities of Sigma at all. Is there? Yeah. No, we. They're not gonna. They're not gonna take Ko down that far. Like, I think there's a possible. I feel bad about this because I is almost my own fault because I posted it in the Carolina Overlook Facebook group when the Storm Fiends thing came to look. 
as like a little public service announcement like this might happen so maybe don't go and spend like eight pounds per skyhook and just spend loads of money on bits it's like maybe consider that it might happen and you know look at cheaper options but people are acting like it's guaranteed fact now and it's not like it's a good that's idea to well heralder uh, you're, you're our news guy well yeah but what i've done is that i supplied something as a possibility and people are talking about it as fact which is a bit worrying like they're giving it as advice to new players don't build skyhook because they're gonna go away and that's not the case is it no so it's a possibility if someone has told you skyhooks are definitely going away that's not what's happening <laughs> it's they could go away as Alex, as you said earlier the new book doesn't look like it's on the horizon that soon does it no no i don't i hayden said hayden said this to us i don't think it but and it's starting to look more and more true. I don't think we're getting a book this year. Yeah. Which is a shame, because I really want one, and I really want Battleline. Please. Please give us Battleline. But, um... <laughs> uh, I mean... Yeah, I, until the City of Sigma book was announced, I was thinking we would maybe get a book within the next six months, maybe. Up to the next yeah. nine months, but with that coming out, I I think it's less likely. Yeah, no, there, there's a whole bunch of other books that need to be updated, I guess. Because both both that and the Oric Warcraft books have both come out of left field. No one was really yeah. expecting them. Guess Everchosen need an update too, huh? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> But I wonder if they'll actually do that, make like an updated Archeon book with more units. Maybe. I mean, wasn't it? I can't remember how it worked before because I never played it, but it was like you could basically have any chaos model, pretty much, wasn't it before? Yeah. Because um, a lot of used to get a lot of playing. Now, with the changes to the battalion rules, it doesn't really work, does it? Um, Although you could, I guess this is that's how they could bring out all these slaves to darkness models, all the slaves to darkness rules. Yeah, it does look like it's some slaves to darkness stuff. Um, But we'll see. Um, But yeah, I don't think we're going to get a book anytime soon. Someone else out in the chat. That's that's not coming soon. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm on the hype train for Cities of Sigma. yeah, there's some nasty stuff you can do with that. And, you know, make it KO-centric. I mean, there's no, there will be... I mean, I think we only have the choice of Tempest Eye or Hammer Hall. That's based purely on the current Firestorm rules. But there's nothing to stop you with either of those building a 100% KO army, is there? I think the new city also had KO in it. Um. Oh, yeah, left is- it's rubbish. Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, I think that one had KO in it. Yeah, don't mention that, Stan. He's not happy about that. All right. Because it, yeah, it, it just kind of helps. 
Akelian Guard, yeah. the eel people. It's all combat based, it's all defensive combat based, like you get it when your opponent charges you. Okay. So, okay, okay, is it? Then. Um, but so, yeah, the moment someone charges us, we're gone. We're yeah. out. Yeah, and, and unless you've got funders and you've got lots of them, and then potentially. But then even then, the electrodes are not good because you're going to retreat out combat. You're not going to be attacking them with combat and even re rolls or whatever. Yeah. So. Um, oh, actually, in FAQs and such, with the new GHB, um, wasn't there a thing with the zombie with the terror guys that if they oh, get part, part 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 yeah oh yeah that's quite big news actually we should probably mention that um so basically it only fights first now if it charged in the turn it charged yeah uh, which means that for us means we can charge rigors in to kill it and kill it we can actually charge it with um end of rigors and Take it down. Yeah, that's a big change. Um, yeah, we don't have to rely on shooting. Like we can still shoot it if we want, but you don't have to. We've got more options for killing it, which is good. Yep, always good. So crystal core. I mean, I was never really worried that worried about fighting crystal core because you have the tool to deal with it. Yeah. But, I think now, even now with their points changes and that change, I'm less worried about, even less worried about facing them. Yeah, I think we got it. We got this. Uh, could have maybe done with some more changes to Skaven, but... Still yet to play against Gisselgore in a tournament. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I've not played them in a tournament. I've only played against my mate in practice games. So, uh, yeah. But I just generally is like it's quite handy because because they have the terrain that goes before you deploy anything. You know their arch regions are going to want to go near that terrain piece. Yeah, so you can kind of position your guys to just like shoot whatever tries to step on that throne. Yeah, so yeah, you just put your arsenal companies opposite it if you got them, and then they're put in this awkward situation where they're like. Well, I can put my arch regents there, and they're going to get shot. Or I don't put them there, and then I don't get free summoning. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, and that's and people aren't going to have a billion command points anymore because you're limited to only buying one. Oh yeah, um, that that um, that's not good for us there either. Isn't it? When when do well, we use command points? In Monar. Yeah, so the, like, if I was to run a Monar list in GHB 2018, I would have played a 1900 point list. Hmm. Because it's cheaper than my And then you'd have three command points to start the game in case you need to. Because you're going to run shooting charge. So that's one command point. You need to make yeah. a run roll of six. And then if you wanted to re roll that charge, potentially, it is nice. I mean, it. It wasn't necessary to have the extra one, but with the way our points work out for lists anyway, 
you quite often end up at 1900 points anyway. So it's just like, well, that was a handy little bonus, and now you don't get it. Yeah. But for the sake of the game, it's a good change. And we could also do more with command points now, though. Yeah. But that's. Eh, we have a lot of stuff that can do that anyway. Yeah. It helps, like, Zilfin and stuff where you go, oh, like, I'm playing against an army that doesn't fly. And you're like, well, at least I can get some reroll ones still. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, if anything, it's probably more. I'm going to take the word. I I quite like the um, the combat one for riggers more than I more than I like it for shooting. Hmm. Yeah. No. That that would help. Although um, most things riggers fight are also big and flying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, all of these things, it depends what you're fighting against. And who yeah. You're against and, you know, what you want to target. But I generally find big flying things, I kind of want to shoot because I don't want them to come across the board towards me. You you want to deal with them early, is the thing. Either you want to send your rivers into them early or you want to shoot them early. Because, yeah. Uh, Generally, the flying things that come across the board quickly, isn't it? Yeah, and will end up causing problems. So, but okay, so, that's so, do you wanna? We're gonna go through the the battle plans from the GHP nineteen. Talk about this from a. I don't think I have any other news. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, I think we've covered everything. Oh, well, before we before we do it, actually, do you have like a like just a general view of what what you think the battle plans and the new points of sort of done to KO list? Like, in a, other than like the obvious point things. Just generally, what you think of better, what's got better, what's got worse? Um, I mean, I th I think personally that boats are better and mm -hmm. um, usable now. Yeah. Not yep. frigates. Still, I don't. Well, I, if you buy, eh, if you buy the frigate for transport, yes. If you buy the frigate for a gunboat, you still got the gun hauler now, which is actually kind of good. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like a cannon, it's also like 70 points cheaper now than a frigate. Yeah, I mean, I still don't actually subscribe to the gun hauler being good, but yeah, if you want a ship for doing damage, the frigate is not it, really. No, ironclad is nice now, yeah, 300 points. For something that does that much firepower, yeah. Yeah, it does quite a lot. Um, and it's a considerable investment for your opponent to try and get rid of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's 18 wounds. It's, it's it's a fair amount. Yeah, and on a 
Four up save as well. Um, it's going to be a three up save. But all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My my sort of quick overview would be yeah, six feel like less attacks. But I I don't think they're where the general killiness in the army comes from still. No, they're still just Arkansas Skyhawks. Yeah. Well and generally speaking now, I like where all the units are now. Like Sky Wardens, Engine Riggers, Arconauts. I think every unit is viable now in the right list. Yeah, I do um, like the Sky Wardens a, a lot more usable. Yeah. And I like... Sky... Sorry, go on. They, they need to be 100 points. Yeah. Definitely. Um, well, I, I like the pointing because it, it just, just makes everything a possibility. Um, yeah. Thunder at 90 is pretty genius. I mean, uh, does, it, does it change much for Thunderers, though? I think it does because, like, if Skywardens hadn't have gone down, then it wouldn't have made any difference. But because Skywardens went down to 100, they need to be cheaper than Sky Wardens. Yeah. Because if, if if not, you just take Sky Wardens. Either. There's a, an inherent extra cost for taking Thunders because you need a ship. You really do. Like, when, because if you're not going to use a ship, then you might as well just have Arkansas because they've got yeah. the Sky the longer range. Um, they're better range. Uh, yeah. So they need to be cheap. Um, for Skywall to be viable, they have to be a hundred. They have to be cheaper than Riggers. And for Funders to be viable, they've got to be cheaper than Skywalls. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's good. It's all all the point. And chemists are oh, chemists went down to one forty. So just which just means all your lists will have an extra 20, 40 points to play with. Yeah. Yeah, you can, and that's that's what I was saying. Is like I had two thousand points before, I was happy with, and now I, I, I still have two thousand points I can play, but I feel like oh, I need to go and buy this and this and this now because with with the change in points for the fund, uh, the chemists and the funders and the sky wardens, you can potentially build some quite different lists now because if you combine those changes. And the points changed to the ships. You can. It's just a lot of things that weren't possible before that are now. Yeah. Oh. Um. Right. And evocators. Evocators went up in points to two twenty, so you can't take ten anymore. Yeah. Um. I've looked into it, and I think. Well. I think five evocators and five protectors might be good. Uh, protectors mm. give you they're the they're the paladin stormcast with the giant spears or like with the swords basically that are on spears. Yeah, did I suggest those to you? In the yeah, I think so. They um, give you um. You pass them to save, and they something. They give you a cover save if you're behind them, and they have a three-inch range. 
Um, and if they're fighting monsters, they do loads of damage on sixes. Yeah. So, for, for your particular army, they're a great choice because they, they're ticking all the boxes you want, where they've got more than one in range, so they can fight from behind a screen of 10 o'clock. Yeah. They do decent damage, and they also make your arc not block behind them more so hard. Yeah, and they're 180 points, which works perfectly with the Evocator's 220. Yeah. So, uh, and that's my view. Yeah, my, my other view is that despite going down in points, Brock Grunson is less valuable now than he was before. Uh, how so? Well, we touched on the thing about the command points. Yeah. It's mostly the battle plans. So once we start going through them, I don't generally think the Monara build uh, is as powerful now as it used to be. Okay. Because, Just because of the deployment changed. Yeah, because of the change in deployment and... The distances involved in things like half, nearly half the battle plans are 18 inches away, which is very good for that. But actually, when you look at what their objectives are, it's not, it's, they're too far away. Yeah. So, like some of the battle plans, like you're like 30 inches from the objectives. Your enemies ones. Um, yeah. To run, shoot, and charge is not enough. And then if that's not enough and you're going to run grapples, then why are you running your R? <laughs> yeah, and you can you could just be using grapples with Zilfin. Yeah, or uh, Urbaz or Fring or any other. It doesn't necessarily gain much. Um. And also, the distances from your own objective to um, central objectives or your enemy are quite can in some about quite far. That um, like a block of arsenals don't get that thing where they can sit on an objective in your deployment zone and they'll be shooting you in in their deployment zone. Yeah, okay. Like, they're still good. They're still, like, very efficient. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, before, that was like a hidden bonus. A lot of people didn't realize it's like your three-man unit. Not three-man units, your ten-man ten -man unit, three skybooks, would participate in the battle from 24 inches away and actually be putting pressure on your enemy's objectives while still holding your own. And they can't do that from the new background. You know, they're just too far away. Yeah. Um, hmm. so, All right, so should we start going through them then? Yeah. Oh, are there other things? Well, that's Earth has. It's not good anymore. Because artifacts are less needed. Like they changed that one battle plan. 
Do you know the one I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, three places of power, or places of arcane power. I don't know. They all have similar names, don't they? <laughs> but yeah, you know the one. I mean. Um, so I think, and yeah, so I don't think. I mean, I've meeting stage, potentially. But I haven't had a chance to actually play that yet. So. Oh, meeting engagement. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, I think that's a lot, a lot of the store, the Games Workshop store tournaments are doing meeting engagements now. Mm. Just because it's easier for them. Um, seems like a fun, like a fun game. It, it's uh, smaller. I, I'm going to want to try it. Um, there was a league uh, I like store was going to be doing, but I just haven't got the time to do it. Um, it's starting before this other tournament I'm going to go to, and I just need to spend all my time painting. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to, but I'm going to try it out. I and mean, I think they'll be called to a show dedicated to it at some point. Yeah. The pre tournament crunch as well. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Let's go through some battle plans. Okay. Um. Yeah. So the first one. Um. Hello. Yeah. Um. Knife to the heart. Yeah. So that's. Quite a big change in deployment. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the L shape. It's it's just like a. It looks like they're trying to make a simplified version of the diagonals. Really. Yeah. They've done a lot of diagonals. Um, twenty inches. At some kind of angle, like twenty inches from the um corner, they've actually got proper measurements now. Hmm. Which is nice. It's, easier, it's going to be easier to set up. Yeah, uh, I mean that that they've got measurements for this one. They don't have measurements for all of them. There's no, a, a, a particular that I really, really don't like because they don't give you any info. Yeah. Um. So this one, you start okay. in theory. But because of the weird shape, you often won't be able to this from an enemy unit. Um, like you can be able to from an enemy unit if they deploy opposite you, and because of like the fact that it's like an L shape, you could quite often be more of like an angle from an enemy unit. And like the actual, like you see, like the middle bit where your middle third. Which is yeah. isn't it? Because you have to be nine inches from enemy territory, on that left-hand side of your bit, you can't deploy there. So actually, that's what, 24 miles, nine. So there's um, only uh, 15 inches there where you can deploy and be 18. And then there's also only 15 inches where your enemy can deploy. Yeah. Uh, and then 
of those 15 inches where your 15 inches and their 15 inches overlap. Um, there's only four inches. No, wait, six inches, sorry. So in that middle bit, there's only actually a six-inch area where you would be 18 inches apart. Does okay. that make sense? Um, yep. So um, a lot of the times, you will be more than 18 inches from, like, an enemy unit. So you have to be careful where you're going to where you're deploying to make sure that your combat unit is in fact 18 inches away from the enemy. Yeah. Um, if you want, yeah, if you want to, and then obviously you've got terrain and stuff that might pop up sometimes. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that like, this is one of the ones where I've been about with Monaro. I don't think it's as good. Um, the other thing is. Your distance from the enemy objective is is about twenty three inches at best. Uh, yeah. And that's if you deploy in, weird, in like a weird corner, as close as you can get to their objective. Uh, in knife to the heart, you really want to have a deep striking uh, boat anyway. Yeah. So when you look at the options on this one, if you know if you go to a tournament and you know and then they announce the battle plan ahead and you've got this, straight away I'm gonna be thinking I'd rather have Sylphin rather than one R. Or Grapple. Yeah. Um, um there's there's also quite a lot of space where your enemy can't turn you out where you can drop a ship. Potentially, yeah. Oh, they can. They can space you, you out. Um, usually, if your opponent knows what you're trying to do, and if, if they're if they're a good yeah. player, they'll know what you're trying to do. They'll try to space you out. Mm. But yeah. that's what. But there's, there's some potential places in your own deployment zone where you can drop the ship. Um. And then you know disembark and be able to threaten the objective. You see in the top right of the battle plan. If, yeah. you're, if you're the red player, player B, if you drop the ship like on the edge there, where they can't, where they can't obviously space out because they won't have to point there, and you'll be nine inches from them. By the time you disembark and stuff, you could easily then just grapple in onto their objective. You should be able to, yeah. Um, so I think it's an interesting one because I think they're focused a lot of their, if you're the player area, focus a lot of the units in the middle and they kind of almost ignore that flank potentially, especially they're trying to take up space. They might end up ignoring that flank a little bit. Which could that, be that top be flank, useful. yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's also something to be mindful of yourself. Yeah. No, you gotta you gotta defend that section of it. Yeah. Okay. Um. But the the other nice thing about if you drop your ship there is you turn the board long way, which is quite good for us for shooting. Yeah. Um. Really. Pardon. Just gives us more time. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, 
I I prefer the way the battleground works now. It, it's more clear. It's more clear where the objectives are. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. You're slightly. You are slightly further apart, which is good for knife to the heart. Um. The other, it still has that weird thing where it's basically from the start of the third battle round, you immediately win. Yeah, so basically if you hold both objectives at the end of the second round, yeah. you immediately win. Um, yeah. The second it ticks over to round three, you, and you've got both objectives, you, you instantly yeah. get it. Yeah. Which can make for really short games. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, because of the way you gain control of objectives, even if you go first in the second battle round, if you get a combat unit on their objective and you don't manage to take control in your turn, if the fighting continues in their turn, um, which would be the second turn of the round, and then you end up taking control of it, then then you, you take control of it in the in your opponent's turn. Yep. Because you, you gain control of objectives in both turns, but you only normally score in your turn, which a lot of people don't realise. Um, so, yeah. It, it, yeah. So, the thing you need to watch out for is don't think, oh, yeah, well, it's my turn, so they don't get control of the objective. Because yeah. they do. Um, and then, of course, as soon as the next battle round starts, if, you, if your enemy units manage to got some models on your objective, you've, you've basically been lost. Yep. Um, hmm. Anything more to add about it? No, it, it, uh, uh, tournaments like to use it because it forces a lot of. Uh, minor and major wins, which is really good for splitting up the scores. So it's going yeah. to be in most tournaments you go to, this mission. Yeah. It's just good good to learn exact, like to know exactly where where's the op where, where the shortest distance is um, to get yeah. to a It might be useful to just before a tournament, set up that kind of board in your house and just practice a little bit of way of setting up the boat in such a way that you can, yeah, uh, you charge range or thunder slingshot range. Yeah, uh, if you're not in a grapnel, then you need to be putting the boat in that far left hand corner. Um, but if you're if you're dropping from a ship, you can put there's lots of places you can go, then you'll be grappling. Yeah. Like, this like this is still viable with Monoma, I think. But it's I know your 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 enemies obviously gonna defend their objective well. Yeah, well, Monoma's just like you got to be able to smash through their first defenses. Yeah, which you can with enough enemy because which you can. Yeah. But yeah. Um. Hope you don't play um. Fire Slayers because that's just a yeah, yeah. that's never going to work. Yeah, Fire Slayers are strong in this one because they can deep strike as well. Um, 
and they can deep strike against us. They can strike. Yeah, and well, pretty much any army, if they can get into combat with, with us, they can end up killing us and let them into fight. Us. Um, so yeah, I don't know what a prize that is. Move on to the next one. Yeah, total conquest. Um, so this one that's in the tournament I'm playing in a couple of weeks. Uh, um, it's, it's a pretty basic one. Um, yeah, just get a point for every objective you control at the end yeah. of your turn. Uh, if you take your uh, points, yeah, what's the interesting point? The interesting thing is you. It's kind of a mix. It's normally battle plans are of two types. They're either objectives in your deployment zone and in your opponent's deployment zone, or they're objectives in the middle of the board. Yeah. Whereas this one is a kind of a bit of both because you kind of have two objectives that are basically yours, except for one of them is in your deployment zone. Yeah, one of uh, you've got two objectives that are slightly out of the deployment zones. Yeah, and you get an extra point if you take the objective off your opponent. Yeah. Um. So, like those those ones that aren't held are almost kind of a bit of bait. But I don't think you want to be trying to take take them turn one. You don't want to take them. Then if, you want to. You want to let your opponent take them and then yeah. go after them. Yeah, you, like you do want to take them turn one if you go second, but not if you go first. Because if if you go first, then you're only getting the one point from it. But if you go second, you get two points, and then you. Yeah. But it kind of depends on whether you're like you. You can easily set up and put a unit that isn't controlling the objective. But then, if you if you move if your opponent moves on to it, you can then take it off them and do and then trade units when you, in, a, in a favorable way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just um, showing the strengths probably. Uh, patience. Yeah. But deep striking, I think, is going to be useful in this one again. Oh yeah, to just take the opponent's objectives. But go go for the ones on their side of the board. Don't go for that one on on your side. Yeah, go for the one in there in their um, But again, the distance on this one is like you're twenty two point seven inches apart. I think. Um. Uh, well, at, at, at the at the furthest point, you can you're twenty four. I think you're 24 away from each other. Right. Yeah. Uh, I've I done the math. You're, if you deploy like opposite each other and you go in a straight line, the closest you'll be is 22.7. Okay. But then obviously, if you start going diagonal or whatever, then you could be any any distance from you. Um, yeah. Which is still almost viable for me. Uh, when we the the objective on your that's just outside your own deployment zone, you're five point three inches from that. Okay. 
can potentially put a model on to hold that from the start. You obviously don't get control of it until the end of a player's turn. Yeah. Um, but it stops someone just putting a, like, say, they've got something that's like canary heart renders or you want them to take that from your turn one though yeah you always you always do but depending what you play against you don't want someone just getting a a free free point but then for... if, if they get a free point you get two points yeah so just even, doesn't it but it depends if someone you have to be careful if someone's trying to set up a trade. So someone what you can do is maybe move a unit out there that's cheap. You know, like an eighty point, hundred point unit that takes that objective. If you're like, if you want to see your deployment your opponent doesn't put any models on it, they're not within that six inches, you can go out and put a so like a unit of three scrolls. In, in range of the objective. Obviously, in their turn, they're there to take it off you, score two points. But to take it off you, they got to use something that's a higher point value. To kill those three Sky Wardens, they'll probably end up having something stronger in. And yeah. then you come after that with a bigger unit and kill whatever they kill, and you've then killed more points wise. Don't get more objective than they would have done. Okay, but you've killed more models. Than they have. In fact, actually, you would score one, and they would score two, and then you would score two. You would end up with more points than the like if you play if you play a three-turn as opposed to a two-turn game. There's a potential. All right. If you've got yeah. some like cheap units. And they don't take it. Yeah, you, it's you a risk. Always, yeah, you always use their bait against them. Like they set up bait, of then bait them again and take it. But then you go, oh no, they haven't checked. And then your chap is baiting then kill. Yeah. I like the deployment this one. It's not easy to set up. You just yeah. get one. Yeah, go, go from the middle into the corner. Yeah. And it's easy to do as opposed to the previous ones to a pain in the ass. Yeah, diagonals have always been a, a pet peeve. Well, because it used to be you do a diagonal line on the middle. And then you have to measure and then build another line from that to work out where your deployment zone was, which is a huge change. This is way simpler. Yeah. Um, um, these okay. Are also small deployment zones. These are what? Uh, relatively small deployment zones. Kind of, yeah. Like, if you're playing a dolphin, there's a lot of space there that your opponent can't space out. There's a lot of area they can't, a lot of board control places they can't stop you dropping a ship. 
Yeah. So you'll have, you'll have a lot of options with it. Yeah. Um, um so the, Yeah, the next one, Duality of Death. Uh, uh which change. Yeah. Um it's ones like this where uh, make me think I want to move to like a forget. Um, well, I think uh, not even looking at deployment, just looking at the mission itself, there is a big change, which is but um, behemoths can't take objectives anymore. Yeah. So you used to be able to just j dump an ironclad on an objective and it'll be fine, but now you need a hero. Well, this is the one that's also always a bit weird. I think they've left the rule in there. Um, where it's, it's the end of the control of an external objective. If the end of any type of move, you have a hero or battle line unit on it. So, and that's the same as how it used to work. So if you drop the ship to the sky, because that's not a move, and then anything that disembarks from it is not a move. Oh, yeah. Of the objective. So you actually yeah. can't deep strike on objective. You actually have to move on. But mm. now it doesn't, it doesn't matter because, yeah, the ships can't take them anyway. No. But a hero could. A hero, if you strike a ship and disembark a hero, a hero doesn't get it. Yeah, so this is better. this is the better one for Mornar. Yeah, although the awkward thing for Mornar is normally being a one ship. Um, so yeah. sacrificing one objective. But it's a yeah. good it's a good one if you have something like Brock. Yeah, that can who move on that objective. It's a shame for us because the battle lines can now take them. Um, and our, none of our battle units are very strong for holding objectives. Yeah, not really. Um, um, an admiral might be good here. Yeah. Or an, uh, to be honest, actually, a navigator is here. Um, because he's got free up say, and you kind of want him to move forward anyway. The opponent gets an army that can fly, because then you can start their movement. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Uh, see yeah, how the battle line units, like say, if you mercenary in, uh, but what what would normally be a battle line unit? They can't count as battleline for your army, but do they count as battleline for scoring objectives? And the same um, about if you ally in some dwarf warriors, which will unfortunately, I like, think do they do. Yeah, would they step so as the only thing? So you wouldn't um, stormcast. You could only use liberators as battleline. You couldn't use sequitors. No, but you could get a beefy unit of liberators or or fire a fire slayer unit to go and grab one. 
if you want to make if you want to take battle line as allies um the thing is would they kill the question because allies most don't count battle line for army building but do they count for victory scoring i think they would because they're still a battle line but they still have the battle line keyword. They just don't count as it for your purpose of army building, but they are still battle line. Well, yeah, but it's not a keyword. Hmm. Um. Yeah, it'd be you'd have to ask the TO on a. Yeah, oh, I'm, 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 I might have to double check the FAQs. They might already be in the FAQs. Um, we've had a couple of uh, it's very interesting to try to think about a bit more Alex. Uh, any chance I could what? I just speak it down a bit more because the echo. I think people, oh, are struggling, people are struggling to hear a bit. Yeah. Hopefully that's better now. Uh, also, Zach Ward is saying you can fit four ironclads in one list. You could do what? You can fit four ironclads in one list now. Yeah, you can. Um, with how many points they've gone down, I think uh, Sydney GT, that's a big one coming up for us. Um, it's going to be 2,500 points. I could technically take five ironclads if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Because, yeah. Um, I don't know how it would... It, 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 it won't be an effective list, but it'll be a hilarious list. <laughs> well, depending on what allegiance you play, if the new Greywater fastness still lets um, War Machines shoot in the hero phase, it could be pretty fun. Is that what Greywater Fastness does? It's what it currently does. I don't know exactly how it works. Like if it's only once per game, or if it's every turn, or if it's within range of a hero. But, I mean, it still wouldn't be that efficient compared to having lots of artillery. But it still would be pretty fun. Yeah. Um, and you could take a Lord Ordinator as well. They, they get all their buffs off. All the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that should be interesting. How many ironclads do you actually own? Uh, I own two so far. Yeah, you'd need three more. <laughs> Don't test me. I will do this. <laughs> well, to be fair, that's probably one more than most people have. Yeah, I've, I've I've gone to a few Facebook sales. Yeah. Um. Anyway, back back to these battle plans. Do you think for this one, you would basically just deploy on one side of the board? Um, I think so. Yeah. Don't spread your force out. Um, you need your you need everything to be together to get the chemist working and the screens working properly. So mm -hmm. basically, just pick a corner, sit in it. Yeah, and then uh, have the boat with the other objective. Yeah, one thing about 
Because what the way this always used to work, because you could just deploy in the middle, you could just sit in the middle and then shoot anything that went onto either objective. Yeah. So with Zilfin now, you can just drop the ship in between both objectives. Um, uh, well, you drop the ship on one objective, and then you have your entire army defending the other objective. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you'd probably you go close to that. You need to. It's about the key thing is get the hero onto it, um, and going for the train. But by being more towards the middle, you'd be in range then to shoot the other objective. Yeah, but your whole army's got that other objective. You don't need to. You don't need to put the boat in that as well. Oh no, I meant like you deploy your one on that one objective basically, and then you'd still do the oh go for one side of the board thing. But by because you can drop the ship more towards the centre, you can get in range to shoot stuff on the other objective better because they're quite far apart. Yeah. So. Like, if you were playing Munar or any other any list, any other list and you have, say, a unit of Arkhanots in one of those corners, it effectively is quite far from the other objective. Yeah, they're not, gonna get, they're not getting over there. I haven't done the math on it, actually. Um, no, but even for shooting, um, like, if there's a hero on it, they're not, they're not actually going to be threatening it. Mm. A couple of turns, anyway. Because um, it's... So you have to mm. counter your opponent pretty well, then. Yeah. See um, what you're going to like, I could see this end up ending up with a lot of minor victories if both players basically just go for one, of, one side of the board. And, and they just hold one objective for the whole game, yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, neither, neither player actually threatens the other one that much. Just stand on each other's objectives and just glare at each other. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you'll get a combat like um, turn four or something. Yeah. Well, there's another good one for Riggers being grappled onto the other, other objective and assassinate that hero. Yeah, so th again, this is a good Mornar. This is a good Mornar scenario. Well, it, it isn't, it isn't. It depends where your opponent deploys and where you deploy. Like, say if you both deploy on the same side, that's good for Mornar. If, you, if your opponent deploys in the opposite corner to you, like, you're not going to be at, uh, charging in with rigors turn one, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, maybe it's with if you want to play Monar with the with the new objectives, you need to be thinking more about uh, uh, going second with it. Yeah, which is generally speaking, you know, like a better way of going anyway. With it, regardless of whether you play Monar or not. Yeah, it's something I prefer to because you can. Deploy out of range and then let your opponent come forward and then then hit whatever comes forward. Yeah. Um. Oh. Um. 
Should probably push on to the next one. Yeah. This is another one I've got. Okay, all of these. Pardon? So you, uh, you, you've pretty much oh, every single one of them has been in your tournament so far. Uh, this is no, this is the second one. Okay. So it was only Total Conquest before. Oh, you're not doing Knife to the Heart? No. Oh, all right. I'm not doing Jarrett and Def. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think be quite interesting. Well, the thing about this one is we are going to be very far... Like, you are very far apart from your opponent in this one. Mm. Um, like... Yeah. The very... Not you're going to be obviously you start twenty inches apart, but the effective reality of it is you end up being more than that away. Yeah, because on... only the very tip is twenty four inches apart. Um, yeah. Most of your force, and I've played this kind of scenario, this this kind of deployment in um, other games as what before. Most of your force is going to be along those triangle edges, and they're going to be. 30 plus inches away from each other. Yeah. Um, particularly if your opponent's got uh, things like terror guys, zombie dragons. Yeah. They're going to fit in that top point. No, not usually. Uh, so there, big monsters are going to be further back. Um, it's very nice for a shooting army that goes second. If you yeah. go first, you're probably actually going to be out of range because your Arconauts aren't going to be in that no, little triangle spot. Well, you can get, say, if you've got a big blob of Arconauts, you can potentially fit a few. I would have to, you wouldn't necessarily have to get 12 in there, but you'd get quite a few. You could, but you don't want them to be, you don't want the Arconauts to be up the front anyway no. because if, if they're up the front of the triangle, they're not being screened and they will get killed. And the other thing is, they're only probably going to end up shooting a chaff unit. Like a little five-man unit or something that can fit in the tip of your opponent's yeah. uh, triangle. So, um, no, you definitely want to go second here. And you yeah. definitely, but it's, it'll be good. It'll be good for your long-range um, Skyhawks. Yeah. The other thing I've worked out is you can... Like, there's lots of space to drop a ship. Like, your opponent, your deployment zones are tiny in this. Yeah. Really Especially if there's terrain um, taking up space. Yeah. So you, you should have plenty of space to deploy the ship on one of those uh, side objectives. It's This yeah. is good for in general. One thing I have worked out is possible, I'm not sure if I want to do it, is that you can deploy the ship in between both objectives and by the time models disembark, they'll be in range of both objectives in the middle. Yeah. You're but if you deploy them, them you're going to get charged really quickly by their entire army. Yeah. Um, but you could potentially I mean, it depends what you're playing against. You could potentially go for a shock tactic where you do literally just deploy your ship in the middle, put two small units on each objective, 
uh, shoot as much as possible that's in their backfield and then charge riggers onto their objective. Yeah. And then they're like, shit, I've got nothing at all. And then they're like, then they have to choose between going for your riggers and retaking their objective, which, by the way, is worth four points to you. Yeah, or yeah, going for, yeah, or going for the two middle objectives. But they're certainly not going to take all three back, especially if you're effective with your shooting and your charge. Um, I, yeah, I think a, a lot of what will determine this one will be where the, the terrain is. Yeah. Because that's going to have a massive impact on where you can deploy. Yeah. And where it could just... Just a piece of terrain being half in a deployment zone will just basically stop units deploying on that side of the triangle. Or unless they deploy really far back. If it's a big bulky bit like these um like the the, the new pyramid uh, temple things. Hmm. Yeah, unless it's a trait piece of training you can deploy half on. Um but if it's something that you have to walk around and it's ends up being between you and or your opponent's units and the middle objectives. It's really going to hamper them getting to them. Yep. Um, um, yeah, it's quite a it's quite a a long a long. It's a long one. It's also not uh, good for armies with terrain that need the terrain for a buff. Oh yeah, if like they have. Yeah, and Gloom Spike, because they have to put the train in their deployment zone. Yeah, Nurgle doesn't. Nurgle can put it yeah. anywhere. They'll put it in the middle. Yeah. But Beastman and Gloom Spike, yeah, they're not going to have fun. I'm not sure about FEC, where they can put it. Uh, I mean, they just put it in their deployment zone, don't they? Yeah. Um, but to be honest, they they might be really, they wouldn't be too worried about having it far back. No, um, they're okay with that. Yeah. One thing to watch out on this one is stuff deep striking behind you. <clears throat> yeah, um, if you try because. I can see a lot of people focusing on being like, oh, I can't get in that triangle at the front and trying to get as far forward as they can. Yeah. And oh, I, I, think, I don't know. I think those triangles are too small. Even if they just deploy only at the front, or only on the edges, there still might not be enough space to put a boat and all the guys who come out of that boat. Oh, yeah. We're not, I, mean, I mean, not necessarily just with care. But like, if you're playing with fishy and then they summon... A unit of flares or you know ghouls, they go have to be within six inches of a table, and they could basically go behind you. Or unless you the court still need to be nine away from you. Yeah, but there's also the table edge, 
next to your triangle. Yeah. And the table edge near the perspective. So you could be like on your opponent on their corner. And they can just pop up behind you on the of the objective. Yeah, so you gotta screen the whole triangle basically if you're playing against that kind of army. Yeah, well there's yeah, and if you get onto the objectives you just have to get aware that they won't be coming from your opponent's deployment zone. Yeah. Um um, you could two middle ones have two points. Yep. Uh, your objective is only worth what? To one to you, but four to your enemy. Yeah. Which I think is how it all needs to work. Yeah. Um, um, you just need to hold, hold the enemy's objective for one turn to make a huge difference in the game. Yeah. Which is very possible with deep striking boats and thunderers. Yeah. Yeah, well, anything deep. I've usually been able to get the enemy's objective in this in this mission. I played the old version of this and scored nine points turn one. And yeah. certainly start putting your opponent on the back. Um, and to be honest, if Obviously, you what you've got to assume that you'll be playing five turns, but a lot of games don't play five turns. Not usually. No. Someone gives up no. before the end. Yeah, especially in tournaments. Yeah. So if you get, and the, the awkward thing is, if you do get your opponent's objective turn one, they have to take it back because it's worth four points to you. Yeah. But Which will develop the whole army backwards. But it's only worth one point to them. Yeah. So they're forced to try and take this thing, but they don't score many points getting it themselves. Yep. And yeah, it just gives you more time to shoot them. Yeah. With this with your main battery of Skyhawks. Yeah. The but what you, the thing is you want to be aware of is anything you put on there objective dead. Um, because mostly, most of their army is going to be sitting behind it, sitting behind that objective, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Well, your army should be. Yeah. Yeah. The other, the other thing is, is you can get on your opponent's objective without even getting in their deployment zone. Um. Is it that close? Yeah, because it's obviously... Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it I is. I think it's only like three inches. Oh, I haven't done the math on this. But I'm, I'm fairly sure you can get... Because you, be, you only have to be within six inches of an objective, which is quite a large space, actually. Um, So it's looking like from the tip of the triangle to the objective is six inches. Is it? So if you go yeah. on one of the inches, you can get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's something to be aware of that you do need to make sure you have models on there just in case. Ooh, uh, because if you don't leave any, if you don't have any models there on your object within six inches of your objective, you just chaff you, you'll just go in and nick it. Yeah. Uh, 
which means um, also you could like get those sky wardens with lights with their skyhooks and drag yourself close enough to their object, get out of the boat, drag yourself close enough to the objective to take it without actually combating them. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and the same with grapnel. Just take yourself to just outside of three inches. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then just sit there with your big unit 12 and then like shoot their unit until there's less than 12 of them and just hold their objective. Yeah. Um, and then that's also army come because they can't go past the warden unless they fly over them. Yeah. They're just in the um, way. And that's one of the things I am taking in my list. You mentioned free scoring. Um, but with a grapnel launcher, yeah, which means I've got a, a 75% chance of one of them hitting. Um, if I just get out and either capping objectives, great game, or more acting as cheap screen, yeah, and also with a volley gun. So they've got just obviously got so they will have like. That thirty-six inch threat range, just to watch all wounds and compliments. Actually, yeah, I think they're. It'd be interesting to see how they play. I think there's a lot more. There's a lot of versatility you can do with them. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the next. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, we should we should keep going on these. Uh, the next one, Star Strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not I a huge do, difference. I, I, I do and I don't like this. Like, I like the way that they've tried to make it less predictable where it will go. As in, there's not like the three points, and it's either one of these three points. Like, yeah. you have spread out a bit more because you can't just go, oh, as long as I'm within six inches of that point and it lands there, I'm okay. Yeah, no, they they could be anywhere. They could go anywhere now. But because it might work, because you roll two dice instead of one now, um, the odds are more often than not end in the middle. Like more often than not, it'll be between five and nine. They will be, yeah. Like um, double one or double six, isn't it? Playing sellers of katanas taught me exactly how this works. Right. Um. Yeah. Uh. Seven. It's it's gonna. It's probably gonna be in the middle. Yeah. And if it's not like if it's not a seven. Like seven is the most likely outcome of rolling two dice. Yeah. But if it's not a seven, there's a good chance you'll get a six or an eight. And yep. if you don't get a six or an eight, it's gonna be you'll get a five one. Like it's very like it's only a one in thirty six chance that you'll get double ones. Yep. Um and a one in thirty six that you'll get uh twelve double sixes. So I think this is going to end up with most people just deploying in the middle. Yeah. And, and this and is the... one where I think having a, good, a big unit of Arconauts is going to be really good. Or just to just hold your um, 
your objective and and to shoot into the middle. And this is the one where they can still shoot. The the opponent's objectives are close enough. When that once they land, you can threaten them with shooting still with Arkanauts. Yep. To then weaken weaken them before you charge in or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's good missions for us. I don't. Deep striking is n- not so good in this one, unless it's deep striking that you or you can be prepared to hold off on until until all the objectives are down. Like, you, if you've got an ironclad, you don't want to be wait. You don't want to be holding off on that so much. No, but no, yeah. if you've got say eighty point canary heart renders, then you're happy to leave them in the sky until the end of the game, and then go, oh, right, okay, they they just drop onto that objective. Oh yeah, because it's worth. Is it worth one point per turn? Yeah, like, basically. So about five, round five. Yeah, about round five is worth five points. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, you can't you can't leave an ironclad in the sky for that long. It's just no. Yeah. Too many points I mean, invested. You could wait until maybe the end of ter- uh, maybe turn three to drop it, but I think if you do that, you've got to have some other stuff on the board. That's probably better if you have like a frigate in on in the sky with not much else in it. Yeah, like because for an ironclad, you're going to have so much of your army in that ship. Yeah, That's you a- will. And you'll have you won't have enough stuff on the board to stop your opponent coming across your side of the board, uh, taking up space. Yeah. Um, but this is another one that you need to be patient on. Yeah, because of the way the point scoring works, if you rush in. It's, it's almost tempting to rush in the middle. Um, thinking, oh yeah, I'll be in the middle ready for when the when the first objective comes, but you're not going to score many points. For it. Now you get one or two or three, and, and then, then your opponent beats you, and um, gets like four and five points at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, I think this certainly favours uh, army builds that can survive. Bloody fire slayers. Yeah, but if you can hang, if you can afford to hang back and shoot for a couple of turns, um, then it's quite good. Could be yeah. worth it, yeah. yeah. And it's better rather. It's not. You don't want to get caught into bait in this one. No. Like shoot the bait. Um, don't don't think, don't get gung ho with your rivers too early. Yep. Um. So, scorched earth. Yeah, this is the third battle plan for the tournament I'm playing in a couple of weeks. This one changed. Yeah, massive change. Like, okay, so we've got the two. Well, so there's four objectives now each. Yeah. But it's gone from the twelve-inch lines just just running at each other to. 
people are probably going to lose those first two early on, but then there's also two backup objectives that you have to get as well. Yeah. Um, uh, and obviously you can only raise an objective from turn two. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure boats are going to be as good in this uh, because like, there's the opponent is going to be all over their deployment zone, covering all these objectives. Yeah. But like outflankers, um, ghouls, basically. Um, uh, what the the sea elves? People who come in from the edge of the board are going to be very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I mean, the thing is, it's you. Again, it's deep striking late can be good because if you've wiped up their stuff to allow yourself to get down there, yeah, yeah. Well, or more to the point, their stuff is gonna, it's not just gonna sit in their deployment zone, is it? Because they're gonna no. want to take your objectives, so they're gonna push forwards. And if they push forwards, as soon as once they start pushing forwards, and space starts opening up, it should do. Unless they have like some small chaff units that are just spreading themselves all over their yeah. deployment. Um, generally speaking, like deep striking the ship is not going to be good on this one. No, not really. Maybe if you have, like you, like we were saying with stars, like a, a small frigate with not much in it. That can drop later in the game, but at the, yeah, at the beginning of the game, you, unless you're playing against an elite army, um, the generally, generally speaking, I think you're going to end up not having much space to deep strike. I mean, I guess if you knew you were going to play both of this mission and start Star Strike, you could pull a sneaky and put those um, ether spheric entrance on a on a gun hauler if you really wanted to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe. That, that would, that's going to slip into wherever it wants to be and you don't have to, like, if you leave that in the sky until turn 4, turn 5. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. The only lot. problem is it's only one unit, only one model. Yeah. So it's only going to be good for capping uh, an empty objective. Yeah. But I think... My little three-man units of Sky Wardens might be quite handy on this one if if they get a grapnel off and then can go off onto an empty objective if one gets left. Pull themselves wherever, yeah. Yeah. Or just generally sc screening my front two objectives. So all I've got on them is 100 points and yeah. let my opponent go first and... If they take try and take my objectives, then just take them back. Yeah. But yeah, I could see this one easily going into a game of who goes first type thing. Because I could see someone taking the first turn and just being like, oh, I'm not gonna do anything because I don't want to go first. I want you to come to, at me. And then, or like someone giving away turn one, 
and then the opponent not wanting to go forward, so then they just kind of put some buffs up, do some spells, and they go, right, that's the end of my turn. Yeah. So you kind of have some non-turns at the beginning, potentially, because you can't raise objectives turn one. Yeah. So there's not a huge amount of incentive to taking them? Not not really, no. And if, if you go, if you get first turn, there's a chance... I mean, you want to go second to get that double turn chance anyway. Yeah. The interesting thing about the D3 victory points, it's a third of the time you actually score the same amount of points as if you didn't raise it, which is really annoying. Yeah. And sometimes luck can really screw you over when you, you get you keep getting one point and your opponent keeps getting two or three points. Yeah. Yeah. And then it can it's turn the game. Luck of the dice going on, but in the end, it is a dice game. Yeah. Well, I think the key thing, though, with raising these objectives is you stop your opponent from scoring them. Yep. So if you can sneak onto an objective with a unit you don't mind dying and then you raise it, it's like your opponent... Yeah, well, they, they won't bother to take it back because... Obviously, there's no point, but they, you know, potentially that unit they still need to deal with it. Yeah. Um, it could easily end up being you could easily end up on the back foot trying to take back your objectives, but or or kill enemy units in your own deployment zone, and then you don't get anything from it because they've raised those objectives. Yeah. I think grapnels are going to be very useful in this because that, with those, obviously, then you can then maybe just ignore those objectives and go over the top to your opponent's ones. Yeah, although you grapnels, you can't jump over opponent over models anymore. Well, that's debatable. Um, the FAQ said uh, was basically like, now nah, you have to stop within three inches at the moment you touch anything. Uh, yeah, but it still doesn't uh, like. The, the rules for flying models basically say with, whenever you make any flying move, any any whenever a flying model makes any sort of move, you treat enemy models as if they're not there when you pass over them. Hmm. So if you treat them as not being there, you can't be within three inches of them because you can't be within three inches of something that doesn't that isn't there. I suppose so. Um. It, but it's a, it's one of those ones where you, you could easily just end up having to concede that point, or a, a TO could easily rule against it. Yeah, it's a it seems a bit gamey. It is gamey, very gamey. <laughs> um, but rules as written, it does work. Because the obvious intent of the the intent they, of the FAQ is to stop you from going. Like they obviously wanted, look, like that's what they wanted to achieve. The FAQ. Yeah. Um, and I think they just missed out the fact that the flying models kind of ignore it. Yeah. Uh, should we move on? Yeah. So the next one, total commitment. Yeah. So this one is definitely not a Zilfin one, Zilfin friendly one. No. Because it's um, like 
just can't put your ships in reserve. No. Although, with the older version of this, like I would have still been happy to play Zilfin with it. Because the way the objectives were, you could, and if you had Fleet Master, you'd just put your ship somewhere, wait for your opponent to deploy, and then just move the ship wherever you want. Yeah. And you can still do that in this one to an extent. Kinda. Like you've got a large area where you can just like just put your ship. In, like you could just put the ship in your corner, and then because you've got Fleet Master, your opponent's got like no idea where your stuff's going. Yeah. You just you could put the ship right at the very back. Yeah. Yeah. And then redeploy it anywhere you want. Yeah, that might be funny. Um, you start like this is another one where the objectives are quite deep. Yeah, they're only six inches away from the board edge, so yeah. Um, and even though you start eighteen inches from where your opponent can potentially deploy, you are at the closest. You are twenty-five inches from their objective. Or one of the objectives you're 37 inches from. Yeah. Which is massive. Um, 25 inches one is not too bad. Um, and that's 25 inches from the objective, and you only have to be within six of the objective. So really, it's more like 19. Yeah. Um, um, so it is, it's a tricky mission. The other thing is, your objectives are quite far apart. Yeah. So if you're playing a, a list with one ship, you're basically picking one 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 main objective and then one that's just going to have a unit of Argonauts on. Yeah. So you're going to focus on one. And yeah, because you, can, you can't spread the screen out that far, not realistically. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe say with like your list, you could spread out your forty Arcanauts across both, and then maybe you could maybe put your two ten-inch screen, ten-man screens in front, and set them quite far back. Yeah, but, but I, I don't know how well that would. Like, it would be a very thin screen. Yeah. Right, but the way to do it would be to have the further back you go, the smaller that distance gets that yep. you have to cover. And for us, it kind of favours to go further back because we'd rather be shooting than in combat. Yeah. But um, again, this is one where... Um, your Arcanauts just sitting on an objective aren't, aren't going to be threatening enemy objectives. No, they have to actually push up, yeah. Uh, wow. Which you want to be really careful about because if you're too aggressive, they will catch you out. Yeah. And the other thing is your objectives are really far apart from, you know, your deployment line where you can, the closest place you can deploy. So if you want to deploy... A shooting unit to threaten 
your opponents, they're not going to be on your objectives. Yeah. Unless you string them back. Yeah. Um, I think it's a difficult one. I think this is another one where grapnels are going to be very useful. Oh, to just move around the board, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's the grapnels just a really good upgrade, really. Yeah, oh, it's massive. Um, but you get more points for controlling an objective in your opponent's territory. So if you can nab one of them, it's worthwhile. Getting it, yeah. It's just getting, it's just getting to it is the problem. Um, okay, so the next one, focal points. That's uh, that's a favourite of tournaments. Like yeah. everyone, almost every five day, like five game tournament will use this as their second as their last game yeah I they changed this and I don't like the changes really because what I don't like is where the objectives are because okay it looks like the you know the four that make a box yeah. It looks like they're on the edge between uh, the two 24-inch sections, but they're actually not. No, it's all measured from the centre one. It doesn't actually yeah. have any of the... You can't... Measuring, measuring where they are is not easy because it's a diagonal measurement, and it's yeah. very difficult to get that measurement at the right angle. Yeah, you could get... Hmm, I, see, I see the problem. So actually, getting those objectives in the right places is not very easy. It's a bit of a pain to set up. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. It used to be. It, it used the whole thing used to be just rotated like forty five degrees. Yeah. Um, the objectives were nice and square, and the deployment was all diagonal. Yeah. Now it's just switched. Yeah. So before yeah. deployment was awkward. And working out yep. the deployment zone, but putting the objectives down was easy. And now uh, it's easier to deploy and sort out your deployment zone, but putting down the objectives is a bit more difficult. Yeah. See, I don't know why they just didn't bother with those 18-inch measurements and why they didn't just put them on those lines and give a measurement from the centre. Would have been a lot easier. Line. But it would have been so much easier. Also, on on this subject, total commitment, where that's changed to the diagonal deployment, is made has made deploying a real pain because you you've got to measure out a diagonal line, then try and get nine inches from that diagonal line, and then put out another line, so you know where you can go. All diagonal deployment should just use um the new uh, the, the total conquest deployment. That's total conquest is nice. I like it. Yeah. Uh, the annoying thing is they, that Total Conquest and Total Commitment have very similar names as well, so I get them mixed up. Um, the point scoring in this one is is important. Oh, for, for focal points? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's always been a really tactical... So once you set it up, it's a really tactical game. It's probably the most balanced of all the missions, which is why they use it for the, the big final game as well yep. in, a, in all the big tournaments. Yeah. Um, like, there's, and there's different ways you can play it. Like, you can try and go for the center and sort of holding the two objectives in your deployment zone, just hold that sort of triangle. Yeah. Or I don't know if it will work so well with the new deployment. But the way it used to work, you could almost end up ignoring the center and just surrounding your opponent in the middle. But not necessarily through intention, but just the way it worked by sort of taking an objective and then going to the next objective and then the next one. You end up sort of just yeah. taking all the outside ones and they end up with the middle one. Um, yeah, now it's... Uh, theoretically, it's going to be the same, but... Uh, yeah, I think the key thing before was, because it was diagonal, you each player ended up closer to one objective than they were to the other one. Yeah, by quite a bit. Um, and so you would end up gravitating towards that one, and then everything would sort of spiral. Whereas yeah. now you're the same distance from both um, and, and from the middle one. So it's more balanced. And so you won't end up doing this sort of washing machine thing where both players yeah. can all sort of spiral around the board. Unless, yeah. of course, when you deploy, you both of you sort of go for one flank more than the other. Yeah, but both people try to outflank each other and it, it just happens again. Yeah. Um, hmm. But it is one where if you Archons can sit on an objective and shoot units on other objectives, which is cool. They should be within range of most of the enemy's things, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, better part of Valor. This has had a big change. Yeah? Uh, the main thing is you can't raise an objective turn one anymore. Yeah, so just like with Scorched Earth. Yeah. Um, but what they have kept, which is different to Scorched Earth, is you can raise your own objectives. Yeah, so it's it's you you hold on to it as long as you can, and then just raise it. Um, yeah. Which well, means you can, to, you can get to a point where you can auto win because if you're enough points ahead and you raise enough objectives, your opponent can't come back. Yeah, so it becomes the question, do you raise all the objectives like immediately or like turn mm. two? Or yeah. do you try and actually hold on to objectives for as long as possible? Yeah. It's um, like, as it's based on how confident you are. Of that, holding the line. Yeah. Because if you if your opponent if you raise your own objectives and your opponent gets ahead of your points, you, you it's very hard for you to come back then. Yeah. Um, as KO, I would suggest holding on to your objectives as long as possible. We are a defensive yeah. army in the end. 
So we should concentrate on doing that. Yeah, well, with well, defensive army, that can, that can help us strike really well, which is weird. <laughs> it's offensive deep strike. Yeah. It's uh, a maneuver steel rain. Because we're not defensive in, like, in the fact that we're survivable. Defensive as in you need to play defensively um, to keep units alive because they've because they're got paper armour. Yeah. But generally speaking, sitting back and holding your objectives and shooting stuff will be viable because it's lengthways. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no, the, you're not too far away from the objectives. The There looks like there's going to be a lot of space behind the enemy lines to deep strike, though. Yeah. Oh, have they changed? Oh no, the point scoring. Has the point scoring always been this way? I think so. So you only get um, you only get the points when you burn the objectives. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. You don't get them for holding them. You only get them when you burn it. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's always been based on how long you've held it. Yeah. Um. Um, shifting objectives looks pretty same. Um, I think so. I your D three. That's I your. I mean, what? It, it's shifting objectives looks like. What all battle plans look like. It's very standard. Yeah. Uh, they're worth one each, except for the main one, which is worth three. Yeah. Changes. Oh, you've got to be able to like move your army from one to the other. Yeah. Something that's occurred to me, um, which I hadn't realised before, was. Where they've simplified something, like this has been simplified, rather than having the blue area and the red area go right to the middle of the board, and then yeah, they're just... 12 inches from the enemy, they've made this, that's, what they've done is made it simpler for you to work out where you can deploy. Yeah. But where they've done that, and they've also made changes to, say, uh, Battle for the Past and the Diagonal and Total Conquest, where they've added quite a lot of objective uh, territories of no man's land in between. Yeah. That has quite a bit of impact on some KO abilities for yeah, battle. Yeah. Because Not the big ones, but yeah. Um, yeah, with, minor, a minor. A lot more no man's land, a lot of armies, and us, uh, all these... If you are in your own, your own deployment zone, or if you're in your enemy's deployment zone, yeah. there's a lot of area of this board that isn't anyone's deployment zone, so you don't get any of those abilities going off. Yeah, and the other thing is with the new the hidden objectives, there's quite a few like like that that say oh, if you have models in your enemy's of uh, deployment zone, uh, and things like that. 
Um, so that's quite that's something that's only just really occurred to me. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else to say on this one not really it's very similar it's just the one the key thing is you get three points if you take the objective from your opponent yep oh no wait no if you get the primary one no i'm thinking of um communicational yes the primary one is three points and the other one is a one so it's really about whether you own the primary one or not. Yeah, uh, which is going to shift every um, turn. So you need mm -hmm. to be able to move with it. Yeah. Um, I think the grapnel launches on riggers is really good for that. Yep, once again, stand up, um, upgrade. Generally speaking, though, if it's, say, objective one, and your riggers on objective one, and it goes to objective three... The chances are that even with a grapnel launcher, you it might be difficult to then you might still have quite a long charge to get onto it. Yep. Um, obviously, the ideal situation would be just to hold all three. <laughs> the reality of the situation is that not likely to happen, is it? Your opponent's usually pretty rude, and he he, he tries to stop you. Yeah, this it's oh. just not sporting. No, it's not. <laughs> um, um, yes. Next is places of arcane power. Yep. Uh, uh, That's had a good change for KO. Has it? Yeah, it's still this one... it's not heroes. It's, yeah, okay. So it's just it's... heroes, no relics or wizards required. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, we still don't have very strong heroes. No. They're slow. Yeah. Like, if you're into a tournament and this is in it, I guess it does maybe favor Mornar a bit because it's just yeah. a Brock. Ooh, actually, I'd almost recommend a Knight Azeroth for this one. Mm. Yeah. The Stormcast with the Latin who can jump around and yeah. Uh, generally speaking, uh, the artifact, uh, what's it called? Herberider Cloak could be quite handy. Oh, yeah. Just to get in a hero onto an objective. Get a navigator who just flies around. Yeah. Or, or like, say, if you like just keep having a, a, a chemist, that then you move a bunch of riggers onto an objective to kill it, and then. The, the chemist also runs in that direction. Yeah. Uh, and the extra four-inch move on the fly is quite helpful. It gives, uh, so it gives you plus four inches. Yeah, plus four-inch move on the fly. Okay. Which, you start 12 inches from the objectives on that one. Which means by the time you disembark from the ship, like if you're not deep striking, the ship's just in your deployment zone. Yeah. Uh, 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 like a standard four-inch move hero, if they've got the thermal rider cloak, they could easily be in range of that objective. Yeah. Because you move about three, and then you move eight, which is 
11 inches. Because you only have to put in three inches objectors as well. So, yeah, if you get out of the ship, you'll easily be, and with Thermal Rider, you'll easily be within, well, an inch. Yeah. Um, to be honest, you could, if you didn't have Thermal Rider, you could run, disembark, run, and you would Probably. Move Use a command point. Yeah, even without a command point, you'd move a minimum of nine. Uh, eight. No, because of your base, you're three, within three inches plus your base size. Oh, yeah, your base size. 32 mil base. So you That's easy to there. So you get an inch and a bit there. So you end up being nine and a bit inches. Yeah. Which, which will get you just within that three inches if you, yeah, if you if do it just in the right place. And you deploy exactly like you put the hero. You know exactly opposite it and get yeah. the full range deployment disembark. So that's pretty good. But I, uh, generally speaking, I think we're gonna need to try and just snipe heroes on this one. Yep, do as we always do just deny, uh, deny them the points and then get one or two points at the end of the game and just win. Yeah. And because it's diagonal, you end up with this thing where you have, like, on your left-hand side, the area is quite small. There's, yeah. not, there's not a huge amount of space to, to deploy, especially big units and things. So I would generally deploy on my right-hand flank more and try and turn it lengthways a bit. A bit. Yeah. Um, and the same right. stuff yeah. like shooting units, if you can get them towards the middle where they can shoot at, at the left-hand objective. Yeah. So you still put pressure on it and kill stuff in there. And then you try and keep your hero on your on the far right-hand objective uh, where it's going to be relatively safe because they can't deploy a huge amount of stuff on that side. But it depends yeah. how your opponent deploys, obviously. Because, you know, we, like, a KO army can obviously just put pretty much everything in a ship anywhere they want. So, and there's yeah, other armies. Clown so, car. Yeah. Gary's speciality. Yeah. Uh, but, the, yeah, other armies can... Other armies can do similar things, though, where they can... Get like you could put a small unit there and then hide fanatics inside it and stuff where, where you, you know you can get more stuff into a small space. And generally, yeah. armies that can deep strike will always be good in the objective, obviously. So, oh, so it's, it's always a benefit, yeah. Um. And finally, oh, relocation orb. Yeah. God damn relocation orb. Where are those objectives? What are the measurements? Where? <laughs> you, where? How? They're not as bad as, it's not as bad as it looks. It's better than it used to be. 
Like, no, no, no. They used to be on a grid. You could huh? kind of, they, they used to be on a grid. You you could kind of measure out where those things were. Yeah. Like, they were all 12 inches apart, and you could, like, use right angles, and you had to do a bit of Pythagoras, yeah. thing, but that's fine. Uh, so I think once you work you you out where these ones are, they're not so bad. Because well, right, so we have no reference. You, you can you do have a reference. And you know you know how I said in uh, focal points there's a problem where it looked like it was on the line but it wasn't? Yeah. Well these ones, they are on the line. It's uh, fine. Two of them are. Yeah, two of them are. What uh, are the other two doing? Okay, let me explain where they are. <laughs> so first for the middle one, it's just in the middle of the board. Yeah. So the two working... Oh, something beeped at me. Oh, I think I, I don't know what it was. I think I have a message on Facebook Messenger or something. Uh, the next two working outwards, they're on the, the you know the 24-inch line if you're playing on... 24 inch ports, yeah, yep, and it's halfway um, down that line between the edge of the board and the center. So it's, so it's 12 inches in, it's 12 inches in, yeah, it's 12 inches in from the long board edge and 24 inches from the short board edge. All right, and then the next one is basically yeah. 12 inches in, but then 12 inches. From the other objective, because it's in the centre of that square, of that twenty-four inch square. Hmm. So I, I think they really they should have put measurements. They but should have put measurements because they had so many other arrows and stuff going on there. I think that's why they haven't done it to try and make it look less complicated. Yeah. But... but but your initial reaction of where do you put objectives is very valid because it's like they haven't told you. I think once you know where they are, it's a bit better because you're like, oh yeah, it's twelve inches from the edge and it's in the line. Yeah. So once you know where they are, it's, it's okay. But initially it's like, well, where are they? And I think all the curved lines and that look a bit like, oh, my God, what's going on? But yeah. It's not all the squiggly so lines, they don't help either. No. But I think that's just so they just don't cross over each other. So, yeah. Like, it's not as bad as it first looks. I, I guess so. Um, I guess so. But it's still if, if, we can, if we can definitively place where these objectives are supposed to be, then yeah. It's still going to be swinging because uh, you get three points. Uh, you get different points depending on when you get the objective. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good. It doesn't... Because the original one bounced into like your you're in your opponent's deployment zones almost yeah almost so like wherever it, someone could get really lucky not move and have the objective come to them yeah well in this one it's kind of in the center which is good yeah i mean i 
I played it once before, and it went from like one of the far right-hand objectives to one of the far left-hand objectives in one turn. It just went across the whole length of the board. If you if you roll a bunch of ones and sixes, it just bounces over and over. Um, but it's a lot of this is going to come down to priority rolls because of how you score the point score. Oh yeah, because whoever goes second gets the most points. And it doesn't even matter if you already controlled the objective. It's just if you control the objective and you have the second turn. So it's just whether you went second in the battle round or not. Yeah. It's not a great tournament mission. No. Not like focal points. Although it does use the the nice um, diagonal deployments, yeah, which the, I do appreciate. The new, the new deployment is much better than the old one. The old one, you had to do lots of weird measurements. And then it gave, not only did it give you a weird shape, but then it also said you had to be a certain distance from that shape. Um, That's why there's a one foot. There's a little one foot square of deployment that you had in everything. Yeah, so it's like, and because of the, the fact that it gave you a weird shape and then said you had to be so many inches from your ter opponent's territory, it meant that you had like this weird sort of staggered step shape of rounded corners. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, so the deploying for it could have been a lot easier. They still have the, have the thing where uh, wizards or heroes or artifacts of power count as any models. Yeah, that's right. Although um, I've checked with act, I've actually asked Games Workshop. Um, Ten evocators do not count as two hundred models. <laughs> I was very sad. Uh, what? How many do they count as? They count as twenty. Okay. They are a wizard. There's another interpretation. You could say they count as awesome. Or one of them counts as 20, and then you get the other 10, the other 9. But no, the, the whole squad, if it's two or more models, the whole squad counts as a wizard, and therefore the whole squad is 20 models. Okay. If you have two units of five evocators on there, though, that counts as 40. Yeah. Which is silly because they're the same models. A bit, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it's just, like it'd be funny to have like ten evocators surrounded by like hundreds and hundreds of goblins. But it's fine because they those ten evocators they're two hundred models. Yeah. You can put like three maximum size goblin squads, and I will still outmodel you. Well, the other thing is, it's only within three inches of the objective. Yeah. So you can't realistically fit more than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, twelve, maybe fifteen models on an objective at most. If they're on twenty-five mil basis. I mean some of them yeah. exact now. But I'd be surprised if you get more than fifteen within three inches. Um, um but because it's only three inches, you can zone out objectives. Yeah, you can just put the evocators in a wide enough spacing to stop anyone from any getting anywhere near it. Well, even if you have models that aren't wizards, like an Arcanaut company or some riggers or something, if you spread them out in a little circle, you can kind of do it in such a way that even if they get charged, 
and die, your opponent still doesn't gain the objective. Yeah. That's a good stat tactic with these small objectives. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, that's I think that's, yeah. So. What? what? What's your overall thoughts on how? On, on, um, I think most of these, most of the changes are really good. Some of them are really interesting, like the um, uh, Scorched Earth. I really like Scorched Earth. Hmm. And Battle for the Pass and Duality of Death. Uh, Duality of Death with the four deployment zones is really fun. Yeah. And definitely helps KO for the most part. Hmm. Or other shooting armies, I guess. I think most of the changes are positive. Um, there's some arguments to be made that with the new terrain rules, that some of the small deployment zones could easily be sort of messed up. Yeah. Uh, the new terrain but I think most tournaments would have a terrain ready for you. Especially with the um, with like homemade terrain that you can't really stand on very well. Yeah. But how like so? You said in the past that a lot of tournaments in Australia ask you to bring terrain, and then you place it. Yeah, they ha they have recently. Yeah. So do you think they were about the new terrain? Um. Where, where there be some, at least to an extent, so the, the three pieces of terrain or pieces of they ask you to bring, will have to alternate placing them or something. Maybe. Because, say, if you're playing uh, Duality of Death, yeah. a big terrain piece in one of your opponent's deployment zones on that, or and it, it completely messes up that whole deployment. Oh, yeah, especially if you have, like, a, a especially nasty piece of terrain that's just jagged edges all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah and just all very big. Yeah, it takes up lots of space and some deploying on the line or whatever. Yeah. Um... I'm not sure. Uh, Lords of War, so the most recent one, had preset terrain on all the tables. Yeah. <clears throat> Although most of that was good. It was a good tournament. Uh, however, some of that terrain was just the Chaos Fort, you know, the old Chaos Fort? Yeah. Which was just this, and that was all the terrain that was on it. It was a Chaos Fort, and there was this huge line of sight blocking Mm. impossible looking terrain that we had kind of awkwardly shuffled around. Was it put together like a, a one massive piece? Was it spread out? Um, it was a bit spread out, so there were two main pieces. There was like two massive walls. Oh, okay. Well, I like... kind of bisected the board into a couple of smaller pieces. Mm. That's, that's, that's not good for shooting up, you know. No, uh, that was the one I fought the Chaos Dwarves on. Yeah. Mm. Uh, 
I didn't win that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've 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 played in a tournament before with, and there's been like a big, big bit of chaos fall on there and where it's all put together to make a, a big wall. Essentially. Yeah. And the TO actually took because they were playing, you know, different battle plans, and different layouts. They 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 had to come over and 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 like relocate it for for a battle plan because it just would have the, the dice roll for deployment would have decided the game. Yeah, it just destroyed the um the the deployment zones. Yeah. Um but I guess that's also why they put in things in like the new train rules. They have the maximum sizes. Yeah. Um, because obviously then you don't get massive bits of terrain like that. Uh, yeah, and well, I think all the terrain on the other boards was really good. It was just yeah. that one Chaos Fort board that was eh. Uh, yeah. The thing is, you don't want every board to look the same. No. But then, if you have variation in what the boards look like in the terrain, then obviously sometimes that's not always going to be the most balanced way of doing it. Yeah. But I guess yeah, if no. you're going to do that, you probably want to make sure that table that would end up being one of the lower top tables table. towards the end. Yeah, you want the top table to be the most balanced, and you want the lower tables can do mostly whatever they they want to do. Yeah. Um, generally, with these battle plans, I think it's... A lot of them I, I tend to favour a Zilfin list with. But, oh yeah, still Zilfin a hundred percent of the time. But there's a there's a couple where I, I'm like, oh, that's not great, like a clan cast. Yeah, well, like total commitment, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, so. But I think that's mostly if you're playing like a Zilfin, like an Ironclad. And I think if you have a smaller, it's more like a frigate base, but it wouldn't be so bad. Yeah. Do you know where I'm going to move to? I think. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. Guess my lunch is ready. My girlfriend's maybe so much. So I yeah. want to call it a day. It's like 11.30 over here. Oh, yeah. We're going to So I think that's it for this podcast. So we're going to have a couple issues with the next one because uh, uh, Google Hangouts is disappearing, apparently. Uh, yeah. So it's just, gonna, it's just dying. It's just going away. <laughs> So, just going away. Um, Google's not replacing it with anything better. They're just discontinuing the service. Um, and the, the thing that they suggest to replace it with doesn't work with um, you know people from different locations. Um, okay, yeah. which was which yeah. Is what <laughs> so yeah, I'm not flying over to your house every time we do this. No. <laughs> um. So, but I think I might have found a solution 
but I haven't tested it. But so yeah, I mean there will be a way of doing it. It's just how complicated that is, and how long it takes us to figure it out. Yep. But, um, we'll we'll be back. Yeah. This isn't this is the end. We'll be back. We'll, we'll beat them. We'll beat you. We'll beat Google. But yeah, yeah. Shame. Um. Oh, um, and also, I'm just gonna put in a little plug here. Oh yeah. Uh, if, you want, if you want some yeah. more Caradon Overlord content this week, uh, me, Gary, and Ben Spinetti are going to be on Warhammer Weekly discussing Caradon Overlord in depth deep dive. It's not on Warhammer Weekly, is it? Is it? No, I didn't think so. You, just said, oh. you don't know what podcast you're going to be on. <laughs> it's, uh, it's um, it's going to be it's faction focus. Yeah, um, which is AOS coach. Yeah, it's yeah, it's AOS coach. It's, um, so what? When is that? Is that that's on Tuesday, which is in. Just Two days. Yeah, it, that's that's also going to be on Google Hangouts. It's like the day before Google Hangouts disappears. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's in, in two days. Yeah. And it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm gonna. Have, I'm definitely gonna be able to watch it live because I think it's gonna be. From from times as in the middle of the day for me when I'm at work. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to watch it because um, yeah, you've got yourself, um, uh, Gary Percival in it, and Ben yeah. Spinetti. Um, ben Spinetti, another Australian guy. Yeah. Um, ben. Although Spinetti he's a trader and went to play with Ida, so yeah. Well, so Gary. Okay, yeah. Okay, on a film class for a little while. But, yeah. Right, all, all top guys at this So, definitely going to be into that. Um, and so, yeah. Make sure yeah. you are for that, I think. And I think it's already on YouTube um, like as a future event. Yeah, so, I think they've announced it. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's it for today, though. All right, I'll see you next time. Yeah. See you soon. Uh, thank you, everybody. Yes. Yeah, Dwarven Steel. Trust me for my Okay, right. I'm going to stop this now then.